the incomparable. Number 285, January 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell. We are here to convene a, an edition of one of the most venerable of incomparable clubs, the Comic Book Club, ye old Comic Book Club. Uh, joining me to talk about, uh, uh, we're going to read two trades, or we've already read them, but we're going to recommend that you read them. Uh, Ms. Marvel by G. Willow Wilson, Volume 1 and 2, is what we're going to be discussing. The uh, issue that's issues one to eleven, if you prefer the single issues in paper or digital. But there are readily available trade paperbacks of uh, of Ms. Marvel. Actually, four volumes. But we're just going to talk about the first two. We recommend you read them. We're we're talking about them because we like them. So you should go read them and come back perhaps and listen to the podcast after you do read them. And uh, and uh, to talk to to me about this, joining me for the conversation are a star studded group. Led by, led by, in in my order, first in the order in which I'll introduce them, Tony Sindelar. Hi, Tony. I would not have drafted me first. This was that was a classic first round misdraft. Hello, nerds. These are just introductions. <laughs> although I like the way you think that every time I'm introdu- introducing a panel on the incomparable, it's really a little draft. It's not. <laughs> it's just introducing people. Uh, Lisa Schmeiser is out there. I wouldn't do a comic book club without Lisa. Lisa has been part of the comic book club since the very beginning. Hello. Hi, this is the best book club ever. Yeah, it is. It is because we read comics and then we talk about them on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Also joining us for our comic book club, uh, one uh, returning comic book club member. She was on, I think, maybe the last comic book club we did. It's Shannon Sutterth. Hello. Hola, freakies. (laughs) <laughs> and a brand new comic book club member. It's Aline Sims. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the Thank club. You. Yay. I'm so excited. Here's your membership it's nice card. Here. It's yes. just written on the back of an old comic book. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, sound effect, sound effect, rustling, rustling. Anyway, <laughs> we are here to talk about Ms. Marvel, uh, G. Willow Wilson. This is so, um, Ms. Marvel has a, a long history. Uh, dating back to the 70s when what if we had a superhero, uh, a lady superhero with the f- newfangled title Ms. That was pretty much the whole concept at that point. It was like the feminist superhero in a very 70s sort of sense. And I am, I am old enough to remember that. I'm old enough to remember the ads for that in the, in the Marvel comics. Um, but that was Carol Danvers who has gone on to get promoted to be Captain Marvel. Uh, with the thanks to the death of the old Captain Marvel, you know, comics, what you gonna do? Um, <laughs> and so Ms. Marvel is laying there as a as a, a an unused property, and heaven forbid that uh, Marvel Comics leave any of their intellectual property unused. So, in, interesting thing happens. G. Willow Wilson comes in and revives the Ms. Marvel label with a story about a young woman from New Jersey. She is Muslim. She's from her family's from Pakistan, uh, and she's grown up in New Jersey. And her family's fairly conservative. And one day, she's out on the streets of New Jersey and gets uh, I- enveloped in the Terrigen mists because Marvel doesn't do mutants anymore; they do Inhumans. And she's granted uh, powers, and uh, and and uses as her sort of ideal of who she'd like to be, Carol Danvers in her more classic Ms. Marvel appearance. And that begins the story of young Kamala Khan and learning about being a teenager with superpowers in a very traditional, in some ways, Marvel comic setup of being the the uh, 
the teenager who has to juggle their personal lives along with their superpower responsibilities. It's uh, it's an interesting mix of things we haven't seen from Marvel Comics before and things that go back to the beginning of, uh, of the, the modern Mo- Marvel comic line. So... Uh, that's Ms. Marvel in a nutshell. I'd like to thank my guests. No, no. Um, uh, Lisa, do you want to talk a little bit about your, your thoughts about Ms. Marvel to kick us off? I loved this book so much for so many reasons. Um, and I was a fan of G. Willow Wilson when she was writing for Vertigo. She wrote a series called Air um, that, you know, in classic Vertigo tradition gets really weird really fast. But she, you know, she's always had a real skill for plotting and um nice dialogue um it's zippy but not too reflexively smart alecky and um what i really liked you can never go wrong with a villain with the head of a with the head of a cockatiel (laughs) but (laughs) what i weird what i loved about it is um it is such a compassionate book like that is the word that kept popping back when i was reading it over and over again because the parents aren't monsters here um you know the imam in the mosque is not a monster like the the classic premise seems to be Kamala is like, well, I feel very awkward because, you know, I'm a Pakistani girl and I'm Muslim in a school that's predominantly white. I don't fit in. Um, my parents have all these expectations. My religion has all these expectations. But the message that she gets from the people that she's the most worried about disappointing, um, the message that she gets, they're very supportive messages. It's just mm-hmm. be compassionate do the right thing. And so long as you're doing it with the right intentions and you're doing it honorably, you're going to be fine, whatever you do. And that they're so unintentionally supportive. It's, it's, again, it's a really compassionate way to look at an entire, the entire community of people around Kamala. And, um, I liked her, 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 I liked her take on at the very end when she's like, look, just because we're a generation looks at our phones, doesn't make us worthless. And, um, just, G. Willow Wilson had tremendous amounts of sympathy for like everybody in the book from almost every angle. There are, there are a few overt bad guys in classic Marvel tradition, but um, like nobody in Kamala's life is malicious. They're supportive in their own way. You know, she's got the best friend that goes on. And um, it was the kind of book where I'm really looking forward to reading it trade by trade, just to, just to slip back into this universe where people know each other and look out for each other and um, offer new perspectives on, on what it means to become an adult. Because that's all this book is about, is how do you become an adult? What's the radical transformation from child to adult and what you stand for? I think it's interesting that you mentioned the, the parents, because that, that's it. The parents are a complication, not because they're bad, but mm-hmm. because it gets awfully complicated when you're a teenager and you have to sneak out in order to be a superhero. Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, not, they're, they're annoying because they're parents, not because they're jerks or mean. Yeah. Or, 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 even, because they're, or even because they're Muslim. Like, exactly. You know, that's – and as a matter of fact – one of the things I like is how it points out that her faith can actually be something that helps her become a better superhero. Cause um, religion and Marvel, they have like a really weird and rocky history. Like they, I, I can remember a really ham handed X-Men plot where Kurt Wagner was being manipulated by like a rogue faction of the Catholic church and installed as a Pope. Uh, and <laughs> no, I kid you not. Like this is something that went on like in the last 15 years too, which is bonkers. But you know, generally speaking, they tend to treat religion as, oh, wild-eyed, cult- wild-eyed cultists are doing things. And I don't think we've ever had an examination of um, a Marque superhero who um, doesn't exist in a vacuum or an origin story, but rather has a very complicated background that she really loves and doesn't want to leave. Yeah. Well, when she she has the, the, um, the 
I forget what his title is. I'm gonna I'm gonna screw it up. They basically they basically say you need to go talk to the guy at the mosque who's the, the imam. Yeah, is he a, mm-hmm. is he a, an imam? Um, mm-hmm. And she's like, oh man, like the, you yeah. can tell in <laughs> in the every role role eye roll of a teenager. She's like, God, they're gonna make me. And it turns out he is the wisest of all, mm-hmm. and, and and she gets the most out of him. And it's such a nice moment where you've been set up as oh, even more complications. She's being sent to the principal's office essentially by being told you need to go talk to the imam and he's and he's like you have things to do you are being responsible somebody is going to come and train you basically and basically the answer is you will talk to wolverine later yeah oh i didn't even get to how much i loved that plot yes yes that was hilarious just bringing in it was the perfect foil Mm mm-hmm and it was like such a nice inversion of Wolverine's relationship with other young women that he's had where, you know, he takes on Kitty Pride and trains her or he takes on Jubilee and trains her. Um, and this time, you know, it was interesting because he's like, I don't want you to grow up too fast. But he's also like hyper aware that because he doesn't have a healing factor or anything, she's going to have to take the lead, both tactically and superhero wise. And um, I, I liked the inversion because Wolverine is, is I, I feel sometimes like he's a little bit of a deus ex machina, like when in doubt, throw the invulnerable fighting machine at somebody. And uh, it's it's nice that they didn't do that. And I really love the dynamic. And I like how, again, compassionate, because he's like, I just don't want you to grow up too fast. You don't need to be exposed to things before you're ready. And then when he handles the inhumans, he's like, no, respect her her wish to do this independently. And they do. Yeah, some of my favorite panels are in those scenes too. I just like there's one that's like in uh, Dodge speak, so she's like really excited. And there's like Dodge panel, and then um, there's a panel where they're like weaving their way from the lower levels of the sewer up yes. to the top. Oh, that's so good. Yes, it's that was so, so good. well done. It's just you know this conversation, and it just flows across this two page spread really naturally. It's easy to read, but it's just it it's amazing. Like. I love it. I just I, I stare at that panel. <laughs> I like when the they they first meet and he like grabs the the alligator and he's like punch it and she's like I don't I don't want to punch an alligator. Right. <laughs> yeah, and she's Is like it no. Dead? Yeah. No, no, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> the fact that he had alligators with lasers on their heads, all I could think of was um Austin Powers and sharks. How hard is it mm-hmm. to get sharks with freaking lasers on their head? <laughs> yeah. I like the, the inventor. I mean, I just I I had assumed that you know I like that we get a new superhero and a new uh, villain in the same right. comic, right? It's not just mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you have to work your way up fighting the C-list of uh, Marvel villains that are available for us, you know. But no, the, the inventor. When we talk about Runaways, you know, we're talking about sort of new characters in a new setting that still has some Marvel stuff in it. And I was reminded mm-hmm. of that because, again, you've got a young hero here, but also that it's a new setting. And it's not – even though, yes, we're talking about the two issues where Wolverine drops in, which is a lot of fun, but – but the the big picture is that it's it's um you know the the inventor the the it, it's it might as well be a new TV series or something right there's a there's a big bad in the first few you know in the first few trades and he's new and she's new and the supporting cast is new and there are a few characters that come in from Marvel but it's not just another remix of existing Marvel stuff mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because it's like the the Jersey City setting where they're like across the river from New York City. And it's like we're in the shadow of the Marvel universe, but like we're also like 
you know, we're not that far. You can drive to the Marvel Universe from where we are, but you can but, see but it. There are, but yeah. there are no other superheroes in Jersey City. And, well, there and, was that heartbreaking know. line where they said, "Yeah, the capes and tights crowd doesn't take much interest in missing children," mm-hmm. and I was like, "That that's one little line, but that says so much about um, the inequity." the inequality that's an an inequity really that's built into the Marvel verse as it were. And the fact that the guidance that Kamala has gotten from the adults that she trusts around her all her life have driven her to say, no, I'm staying in Jersey city. This because they need me here. Mm. Like rather than be just another inhuman or just another Avenger, I'm going to take care of my home and my school and uh, actually do something. It's mm-hmm. like the when when Bruno first finds out and asks her how she and she's wondering how she's going to superhero. And he's like, you can always hold pref- press conferences like Tony Stark. Yeah. Just like, you know, you encapsulate, you know, the, the arrogance or the, un, the, the privilege yes. that that character has. The thing I love so much about it is it um, it's about compassion and hope. Like at the heart, it's it is about growing up, but it's about um equally like figuring out how to how to be compassionate how to be true to yourself and and how to how to hold out hope in the face of like dire straits you know there's some pretty major things that happen it looks pretty bad um towards the end the the things we're not talking about in this particular episode but like it's like oh all hope is lost and and she's still like no we're we're doing this thing. And that's the thing yeah. I love so much is that, um, especially since um, with what's happening in the real world right now, with the tension between, you know, the United States and Muslim populations, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's, I don't know, I, I think that there's, there's something here that we need to take away. The the importance of having a stable and supportive environment for, for kids is what actually comes through. And I think another reason this book feels so refreshing is um, I'm a huge longtime reader of the X-Men. And I am I think this might actually be the first teenage origin story that so far has not included dead parents, estranged parents, parents who have lied <laughs> mm-hmm. to you from the get-go, parents who are members of an occult cult, parents who are members of, who are, who are time-traveling members from another generation. <laughs> and are actually super villains. <laughs> no, and, and I'm thinking about, like, even in the New Mutants, you have Sam Guthrie who goes to work at a mine because his dad is killed, and, you know, Danny Moonstar, like, her parents turn into the ghost bear, um, you know, apologies yep. for spoiling a, a series that's yeah, spoilers 30 from years the old. 80s New Mutants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rain Sinclair was cast out into the moor as un godly and beaten by reverends until she was adopted by you know Marmory Taggart and then there's all the classic X-Men origin stories and again the runaways or you look at the Avengers where Tony Stark and his father have a fraught relationship and by contrast you know Kamala is surrounded by people who love her and support Mm -hmm. her and I think for a lot of readers that's actually a lot more relatable Mm -hmm. and this may actually provide a guide as to how to become your own person well you know also being able to hold on to the things that you draw strength from and that you love and that you treasure. So this feels like a radically different book to me in, you know, compared to the classic teens that have peopled the Marvel universe. Runaways, Cloak and Dagger, for example, you know, any yeah. of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was reading Ms. Marvel volume one, I had also just read uh, the new Batgirl volume one, um, which I like, but it's, it doesn't have the same kind of joy that, that this is. It, it's also like 
the character is like very much a hipster and it made me feel old so even though this character is, <laughs> is, is younger like the, the story is just much more full of like fun and joy and and you want to root for them in a way that you know it's, i'm not anti-hero but but i particularly want to root for for this character i mean just even the moment where she kind of you know she's in you know the the right place at the right time to save not her friend but like her classmate and realizes like the feeling of saving that that girl is like that is what i want to feel all the time basically like that like that felt really powerful verse compared to other stories, especially uh, because like she's a kid and she's just trying to make her way. Well, I just love as a, as a, a fan of, of Spider-Man from way back um, who likewise comes, his parents are dead. He's being, his, his uncle is dead. Now he's just being raised by his aunt. But it, it reminded me of that in the sense that, um, the burden that that Kamala carries it reminded me of Peter Parker's burden a little bit. There's not there's not guilt there, but the point is her parents are disappointed in her because they think she's sneaking out to do bad things. When in fact, the sad thing that she can't really reveal to them is that she's sneaking out to do good things. Mm-hmm. And her brother, who is very religious and kind of super holier than thou, right? <laughs> super slacker than thou too. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, yeah right. And, and mm-hmm. yet he's like, you know, I'm the I'm cool. I'm the cool one here. I'm the one that everybody loves. And you know, she's the one who's out there doing this thing. And I love that tension, right? That 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 you know, she can. I'm not I'm not sure I entirely buy how I just can't tell anyone my secret because there's way too mm-hmm. many secrets in fiction for reasons yeah. that are that don't make sense. Hello, I'm looking at you all the the flash and arrow by the way. Um too many <laughs> secrets, but mm-hmm. um but it is a beautiful bit of tension for her that she she is it, her parents don't care that she's sneaking out to do good even if they knew cuz she's sneaking out. It's not allowed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the reason she doesn't tell them is because she knows if she did they would worry even more. Like, it's easier for her to have her parents mad at her than to have her parents worried about her. This week's episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Enclosed. Enclosed is a gift subscription of the month club. Now, you've heard of these before. We've talked about some of them on this show previously. Maybe flowers every month or beer every month. This is something different. This is for a special woman in your life and it is a panties of the month club. I said it. You heard right. Uh, these are super nice, high quality panties. Think about this as a uh, subscription gift for Valentine's Day, which is just around the corner. And here's how it works. You can send uh, a month or three months or six months or 12 months of, uh, of panties. One every month. They come in these amazing high quality boxes. They're surrounded by rose petals. There's definitely a serious romantic vibe that comes across from the enclosed selection every month. Um, they're not cheap and they're not meant to be cheap. You wouldn't want cheap for a special person that you would give a special gift like this. You can check them all out at enclosedlingerie.com. And if you visit enclosedlingerie.com slash Snell and use code Snell during checkout, you can get $25 off any multi-month order. So if you are looking for something to do as a very nice gift for Valentine's Day and beyond, check it out, enclosedlingerie.com slash Snell, and use code Snell to get $25 off any multi-month order. And she's going kind of alongside of what Tony was saying. Um, she's so relatable to me as a nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. You know, she's the first thing she does. She's like, OK, like I've, I've got the superpower now. I need to go to the Internet and figure out what's happening. <laughs> yes, and she does I'm like queries. <laughs> yes. She's, she's writing fan fiction. She's like writing fan fiction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She and plays yeah. <laughs> World of Battlecraft. And as someone who used yes. to play World of Warcraft, I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and her fan fiction is like the Avengers on a unicorn home world. Like, I mean, it's it's just I relate to this, you know, I'm twice her age, but I'm like, I relate to you, Kamala Khan. Yeah, very much. 
much so. Yeah, I want to meet her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. G. Willow Wilson just so nails current teenage uh, internet culture in mm-hmm. so many ways with all of the references. Which is hard. Yeah, it is hard. I feel like a lot of people kind of ape it and it, it yeah. always comes across as like, eh, you, you don't you don't actually get what this looks like, right? You're just, you know, mix, mixing together buzzwords to try and convince us that you do. They just make dismissive comments about emoji and then make up yeah, street this, drug this names and there like, you go. Yeah, this is, this is what a teenager is like. Well, and, it, and it's not just, it's not just a ploy in order to have her be more of an outsider, which which is another way they could do it, right? Is say, well, you know, she's a nerd and she's she's a Muslim and she's all these ways where she's being ostracized. It's like she's got her friend group. She she you know and 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 she walks the walk. She is she's a nerdy person, and that's true. But she does all the nerdy things, and she's she's a fully realized person in that way. And it's mm-hmm. not just a let's you know let's put again let's put glasses on Peter Parker and people will mm-hmm. beat him up and and you know and put him over in that box. She. She, we see her being uh, a nerdy kid and not having a problem with it. It's like these are the things she does. She writes fan fiction and she plays mm-hmm. video games, and it's fine. It's all fine. Yeah, and even the other kids around her, um, you know, they're not bullying her. They're just being snotty. Um, you know, Miss Concern Troll that just you know that oh, yeah. totally encapsulates <laughs> yeah. um, the other girl Zoe so perfectly that she is just blindly and you know half aware and half ignorant and mushes it all together and just keeps shoving her foot down her throat um you know that even those characters are nicely rounded um and you know like you said it's not the old classic simplistic you know we're going to go beat up on the nerdy people instead you know we're going to think we are being supportive and think we're being helpful and and, no we're just being as jerky as anybody Mm -hmm. what do you think about the um about the so in her origin she gets exposed to the Terrigen mists and uh and what happens to her first I, and I think this is really interesting is she becomes Carol Danvers as Ms Marvel she's blonde mm-hmm. and you know big blonde beautiful uh, you know white cartoon you know comic book superhero thigh boots and the, yeah, the, oh, the, the Ms Marvel outfit the classic yeah. yeah. Ms Marvel outfit right mm-hmm. the 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 little drapey thing and the whole yeah, it's go. I never it's, understood it's, the tactical advantage that Sash gave you. <laughs> distraction is all I can think of because it's just like, or, or was there a manufacturing defect and that's to hold it up? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really interesting because it's about, you know, this is a story about identity too. And it's interesting. I, I'm interested in the fact that she doesn't manifest powers. She manifests as another superhero like this is this is who she wants to be and it's not kamala khan who saves that schoolmate it's carol danvers essentially as ms marvel yeah that's like her her first instinct is you know to become her idealized um idea of of what a superhero is um and you know it takes her a while to figure out that no i don't have to be you know that person i don't have to be someone else i can do this my way i can be myself and still do this so I think that's just sort of a natural part of, you know, a teenager going for what they think they want and then learning, you know, that, OK, this isn't doesn't fit like I thought it would. And um, they gradually go, come around to find what does fit for them. Well, one of the things I remember from adolescence is how people tried on and constructed different identities all the time and how coded they were. Like the theater kids had their own distinct look and feel and... Mm-hmm. You know the 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 crew team had their own distinct look and feel, and then you had the the hard the hardcore you know skater crowd and the hippie crowd and so on and so forth. And this seems to be almost a metaphor for that, where because you know 
Kamala's already pigeonholed, as it were, at school, like when she tries on the Carol Danvers identity and then discovers it doesn't fit. You know, this is just another part of being, you know, just another part of, of cycling through those those identities. Um, I was also thinking it was a good thing she did that first, because if you had Kamala Khan running around saving people like that before she really knew how to master her powers or how to get away mm-hmm. from a scene, that would have been just a, like it would have been a three issue series run. <laughs> yeah. So it was just it was it was nice tight plotting. And that's another thing I really like about this book is how intelligently it's structured. Because, you know, every beat is is perfectly timed and perfectly placed. There's no there's no slow laggy spots and there's no issues that feel too crammed full. It's just really nicely paced. Yeah. I mean, volume one uh, won, won a Hugo Award, right? Yeah. Yes. I believe so. Yes, yeah. it did. Oh, my God. That said, uh, the, the, the guy with the head of a cockatiel is never not going to be funny, though. So, okay. <laughs> so the, the it's it's a Agreed. so, yeah, it's like a bird <laughs> That thinks it's Thomas Edison, or it is Thomas Edison. It is Thomas. Right. It's a it clone Thomas of Thomas Edison, but the clone that got... managed to get some cockatiel DNA yeah, in some there. Yeah, DNA. like the flies origin story, except yeah. Yeah. cockatiel. Except, except <laughs> adorable. Yeah. yeah. I don't adorable. I don't know. There were some scenes where like the tongue was lolling, and I, I yeah. was like, no, I, I know, I don't need that. Yeah. Well, it's somebody who's a little freaked out by birds. I think. <laughs> so I, I don't. I don't love I don't love that character. I have to say, no, I, I, I think that that's the thing I like least in this whole first story arc is the the inventor himself. Although it is a bizarre reveal that he is a <laughs> bird yeah. Thomas Edison, which yeah. you know, go figure. Um, I have so yeah. many questions. That's a little played out for you, Jason. Oh. Yeah, I tell how many times <laughs> I've seen. You know, there was the there was the squirrel Nikola Tesla. I would be a pigeon, Nikola Tesla, obviously. Uh, no, no. It's the love that dare not speak its name between squirrels and pigeons. What are you talking about, Tony? I right. thought you were on this. Mm. Um, I, I just, he's just kind of boring, though. I mean, I, mm. I, I don't I don't find him a, a particularly compelling villain, honestly. And I, 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 thought it, I thought it took a long time to get to where the plot was kind of grinding away on that. That, that was, and maybe this says something about how much more interested I am in Kamala finding mm-hmm. herself than I am mm-hmm. in this initial arc with this initial set of villains and them kidnapping the kids and her, her going to investigate. And he, and there's a fake out, right? Where it's like, we think we're going to get a resolution, but it turns out that he's just been watching her and there's more to come. And then she has to do another thing. And I, it just, I wasn't interested in that. Like I was with her story. And, and so in the end, I, I, you know, every time the the inventor would appear, I'd be like, "Shut up, bird." <laughs> no, I agree with that, Jason. I actually that that's something when I was listing my pluses and minuses for the book, my biggest minus was that when it turned back towards the typical comic book hero fight villain kind of thing, I felt like it lost a bit of the personality. I mean, it just um, the the funniest things to me for the inventor was basically when Kamala would point out you're a bird and he'd get mad you know his his I've been studying you and here's some other weakness I've found you know that got old uh for me quite a bit but um, I am not a bird yeah but throw it throw it in his face that he's a bird and that was funny (laughs) and that I like and he loses his mind I agree with what you're saying about um about it sort of losing its way a little bit during that part. It, 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 it he probably hangs around a lot longer than you know. There's probably he, he's kind right. of a one joke villain, and we get the mm-hmm. same joke about four times. So I think some people some people like right. that joke, and he doesn't seem to be that much of a mastermind. No, I mean, yeah. 
Well, and I wondered when Thomas Edison turned really evil. Like, I know oh. he did some shady yeah. things. But, like, yeah, was it the cockatiel DNA? Watch drunk history. Watch drunk history, man. It tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> they, they, yeah. No, they just did the Inventors <laughs> episode where they, they tell you what a rotten, terrible person Thomas Edison was in stealing the patents for the telephone. Yeah. Aline, how many how many elephants do you have to kill before you, before you, before you judge someone as evil? Because the answer is one. The answer is one. One elephant. <laughs> I hope we don't takes. kill any elephants, really. That's because you're a superhero and not a supervillain. All right. So. That's the litmus test. How many elephants would you kill? Zero. Yeah. yeah. Superhero. Good okay. job. You pass. Yeah. Nope. Sweet. Here's your cape. <laughs> yeah, no cape. Much, there's a chart. It's like zero and then one to everything else of yeah. elephants. Uh, I should not have one been put in charge of elephants. this bureaucracy. So. <laughs> Good job, Tony. The elephant scale. It's it's common, commonly known. I um. What do you think about uh, one of the things that I think is interesting about uh, Kamala's powers is that she is um, she's able to kind of just uh, transmute her body in all sorts of wacky ways. And given the art style of of a lot of these issues, I think with with Adrian Alfona's (laughs) art, especially Mm -hmm. it is it kind of lightens it. It it has a personality of its own that she's got these like super wacky, like um, big hands and long Mm -hmm. legs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. stuff that that is. It's really dynamic, and it doesn't really remind me of anything I've seen before. I guess there are moments where I think, you know, this could be... Like, when Reed Richards stretches, it's just like he's uh, like a rubber band or Play-Doh or something. Mm-hmm. But when she does it, it's it's dynamic. She's, you know, she's got a... She has a, mass. And goofy. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's right. the whole thing, is that, like, she's, like, like when her hand is giant and she can't control it, like, it's, yeah. it's awkward and not just, like, you know... Awkward. She's, I mean, awkward teenager yeah. put in, manifested yeah. into powers, right? Everything, mm-hmm. all your body, body parts are doing the wrong thing. And, and I really enjoy that she rate. uses the, she loses this, uses the Simpson reference with embiggen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And disembi- yeah. Then she tries disembiggen. to if she can get, if she can get back. But I mean, not to get too much down in the old literary analysis of there, but I, I, I like that because I feel like that, that actually says something about her, any teenager's fundamental kind of disconnect from, from the, themselves and their body that she's, she's, um, she's goofy and, and funny looking at times, even when she's exercising her powers and saving people, because that's what it's like to be a teenager is you're not all, all perfect. And her powers aren't the kind of super gleaming, perfect kind of powers that a lot of superheroes have. They're, they're a little bit goofy and that's just, she, that's just her. That's who she is. Oh, I look flawless while I generate cyclones. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I also love how, um, you know, as she's learning her power, she's also, you know, she she's a nerd. She she's, knows her science and she's trying to apply things. You know, okay, more mass equals, equals, hey, more force. Longer legs made, you know, technically I'm not running faster, but I'm running farther. <laughs> uh, things like that. You know, and then it occurs to her to, you know, to, you know, swell her head and then headbutt the, the giant robot and discover, mm-hmm. yeah, ow, that hurts. But um, but it works. Uh, things like that. And the fact that she, you know, it takes her a while, once in a while, it takes her a while to realize, wait a minute, I can shrink too. And this time mm-hmm. that works. The, the fact that she can go mm-hmm. both ways, that she can make herself bigger, she can make herself tiny and figure out what the best thing to do in each situation is. The Incomparable is sponsored by Feverborn from number one New York Times bestselling author Karen Marie Monning. Mac, Barons, Riordan, and Jada are back, and the stakes have never been higher or the chemistry hotter, hurling us into a realm of labyrinthine intrigue and consummate seduction. Feverboard is a riveting tale of ancient evil, lust, betrayal, forgiveness, and the redemptive power of love. Once a normal city possessing a touch of ancient magic, Dublin is now a treacherously magical city with only a touch of normal. And on those war-torn streets, Mac will come face-to-face with her most savage enemy yet, 
herself. Number one, New York Times bestselling author Sylvia Day says no one does it better than Karen Marie Monning. Read Feverborn, the exciting new book in the epic Fever series. Available now at feverbornbook.com. Yeah, going back to the Wolverine thing, you know, they're they're dropping down, I don't know, a story or two into the water of the sewer. And she's like, mm-hmm. ooh, you know, like, I need to shrink so I can break the surface tension with, you know, out killing myself. And I I, I, I like that it, it's, um, yeah, it's kind of sciencey. It's quick thinking, too. And I mm-hmm. appreciate that where, you know, a lot of um, I'm new to comics, but the ones I've read oftentimes, it's just like, well, you know, like, I'm going to do a thing. And the thing is done. And, you know, I, I kind of like the internal thought process that we get with Kamala. Where she's like, oh, this is why I'm going to do this thing. She's a new hero, too. So she's the idea is she's also figuring it out, which is which is fun to see. Indeed. Can we talk about Inhumans a little bit? Um, yes, but please. Both, both since I, Lisa, I know it's going to have opinions about this. Yeah, she's <laughs> not a mutant. She's an inhuman. There's a Terrigen, mm-hmm. terrigen Mist. There's a whole overarching storyline that is not really that important to the to the the particular story here, other than that it's the it's the method by which she you know is not bitten by a radioactive spider or hit by toxic waste or radioactive waste or whatever, or born a mutant. It's this mist that sort of activates her inhuman powers. So there's that aspect of it, which I think is is a different sort of thing and then we do get later in the storyline we get her interacting um she has a large dog who visits her who is lockjaw who is one of the craziest and funniest characters (laughs) in marvel history perfectly deployed if there was ever a book to have uh, a a a connection with a such a a delightful and goofy character as the giant inhuman uh dog with a tuning fork on his head it's uh it's ms marvel it's a perfect fit Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Lisa, Inhuman stuff, thoughts about that? When I saw they made her an Inhuman, and it's it's such a smart origin story in so many ways because oh, you can have you can have Inhumans popping up through the entire series run because look, those Terrigen Mists went a long way. But my other thought was, wow, this this really opens up the door to having her in future Mar- MCU movies because wow. and or or a TV show because they've taken her out of the. They, they took her out of the classic, you know, oh, it's it's a teen, let's go. Oh, is it a teen that's doing freaky things? Off to Charles Xavier you go. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I was thinking about this and I was like, we could see Kamala Khan in an Avengers movie, which That'd honestly, amazing. I would, no, I was thinking about this and I, I was like, okay, my, and I apologize for veering from it, but I promise I'm getting back to it. Um, one of the things that, as a viewer of the MCU, I'm beginning to get a little bit tired of is it's basically a bunch of people who are my age who haven't had a carb since the Bush administration, yeah. who are, <laughs> who are, you know, busy shooting arrows and running around in a suit or hulking out or whatever. And I thought this is kind of ridiculous. They'd be all ages. And what we need to do is we need to see people who are younger, or we need to see people who are different and, you know, right. not, and not dudes. And, um, I get that they're ramping up on the Inhuman stuff in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I'm still watching. But I thought, we've already established that Inhumans are in this universe. Like, that's what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has done. Why can't we see Kamala in a movie? And and I thought, and and I thought well, maybe this book was kind of launched with that intention, where it was sort of a backdoor. Like, it's a, it was a, a huge, splashy debut in comics. But it's kind of like a, a, a sort of, well, she's well-established and well-liked in fandom, so there's no reason for her not to be included. As opposed to if they had just thrown her into an Avengers movie or one of the MCU movies early on, I think the focus would not have been on, like, what a great character she is and what an interesting and fresh backstory 
and what inventive ways she uses to do her job, it would have been like, oh, it's a Muslim teen. And like, it it would not, but you know, she's going to get a, a safe launch as it were. Um, that said, always, I, I've always been fascinated by the Inhumans just because it's such a weird whack job premise. Like Black Bolt alone. I'm like, what the what? <laughs> they're aliens, but they're on Earth and they're kind of human-like. But there's a, I mean, it's essentially. And there's like a weird royal dynasty scheming yeah. thing going on. You've got a dude who literally can't say a word because if he does, he destroys a universe. But he's married to like the chattiest woman on the planet. And she's got hair that does its own thing. And, and there's that big dog. Oh, I, I love Lockjaw, though. I know he's adorable. And, you know, Medusa is just kind of a whack job herself. It's like, you know, like this is somebody who, every time I look at Medusa, I'm like, you listen to a lot of Tori Amos, don't you? And, um, <laughs> like, I, I, but I'm thrilled that Kamala is actually an inhuman because, like, when that, when that finally hits her, too, it's going to be another piece of identity um, that she's going to have to reconcile with being a, a Desi girl in America and with being Muslim and being a Jerseyite. And then she's going to have to figure out, do, uh, you know, how do I break it to my parents that I'm also apparently part alien, you know? Right. Well, which means that some of them are too. Are too. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 as a fan of Buffy, um, I, I always think of these stories as being perfect for TV too. Yeah. The idea that mm. you could do a, because then you've got the ongoing story, it's like the Spider-Man movies, uh, you know, they try to tell the story, but in a movie in two hours, it's a lot harder to get that rhythm that we see actually in these Ms. Marvel stories where she's living day to day and having to go about, you know, navigating her her uh, tortured high school, just existence as a high school student, along with being a superhero. And so that was that was the thought that I had was, you know, this, this really is, this would make be, like a great CW show. It, it would be a fun TV mm -hmm. show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Better than Supergirl. Well, I'd love to see it because, you know, again... And I have to say, I have a lot of admiration for how carefully Marvel has architected out its expansion in both film and TV. Like it's really well thought out and mm. you can, and it's fun to watch them laying the groundwork, but the characters tend to skew classic and skew old. And I would really like to see someone like Kamala Khan, where instead of it taking place in New York city, you know, it would be interesting to, if to see these, the one of the more established characters as a, as a fish out of water, the same way Wolverine was. And they discover that there are people who are just, you know, kind of quietly doing their thing. No big deal. Kamala Khan just happens to be the Ms. Marvel who's taking care of, uh, you know, Jersey City. And um, I, I really want to see more of her. Yeah, I do too. Especially, you know, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D., I think, does a fairly okay job. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of younger people um you know we've got people in the 20 in their 20s but not like teenagers yeah. not kids um and you know the movies are just i mean they're fun i like them but like you said it's a bunch of of dudes mm -hmm. talking about things and you know we've got the one woman we've got you know black widow and we don't we can't even get like her on the t-shirts or figurines or whatever so uh, if yeah. we could have something dedicated and the captain marvel movie keeps getting pushed further and further out and it's so. going to be carol right. danvers who's yeah. in her and maybe part of it is um the squeamishness about well what if we have somebody who's who's a minor who's putting herself in really dangerous situations like that, that could be uncomfortable. Um, but they actually handled that really well. Like in one of the Spider-Man movies, um, I think it was like Spider-Man two, like after he saves a train and, and you know, he passes out in the car and people are like, Holy crap, he's really young. Um, yeah. 
And maybe that's actually something that the MCU needs to reckon with, which is that if you're going to recruit people who aren't yet adults, there are moral and ethical mm-hmm. ramifications to putting these people in danger way. I always remember the scene in, the, I think it's actually multiple scenes in, in Ultimate Spider-Man, where Nick Fury shows up to like try and recruit Spider-Man to be part of the Avengers. And he's like, I just got to finish high school, man. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a lab report I'm working on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I got a final. Next year I have to do calculus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they sidestepped that in the X-Men, movie when, X-Men movies when you look at it because they had a really clear division between like the working X-Men who run around the leather and glare a lot and the students who, you know, are, are kind of doing an ad hoc thing. Um, and to be fair, they had that division in the comic books as well. But I, I think it's something that you're going to have to see a TV show or a comic book or a movie about these people deal with at some point, which is, um, again, when you're throwing teenagers at supervillains or natural disasters, like, you know, are there line? Do you ever draw a line? You know, what's the issue of consent? And, and I see what you're saying, but there have been things like the Power Rangers and, you know, there, there, there's some precedent, you know, not necessarily in the Marvel universe, but there is some entertainment precedent for having teenagers in potentially dangerous situations. And, you know, as goofy, you know, even as a kid watching Power Rangers, I'm like, yeah, this is totally goofy, you know, (laughs) and you can make that distinction, I think. But, you know, there's, they can do it. Like, they, they're definitely, they might need to think about it a little bit, but I definitely think they should do it. Like, (laughs) Yeah. executives i am telling you do this because yeah like the world needs some miss marvel like more yeah. miss marvel more, more. mass consumption of miss marvel please yeah yeah there was a throwaway line in kevin smith's run on green arrow like a decade ago where he's looking back through his rogues gallery or what have you and he like gets the 70s where he's got speedy as a sidekick and batman had robin and like he actually has a conversation with someone where he's like i really don't know what we were thinking pulling these kids into battle with us and um you know, that was the first one's like, yeah, it's kind of jacked up. Um, because, you know, when you are a kid and you're a teenager reading this, of course you want to get out there. Like through the 80s, Kitty Pride's readiness for the X-Men was a huge plot point all the way through. Like it was one of the big plot engines on, on the new X-Men. But what I like here is is Kamala is so thoroughly and obviously a teenager first. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and you know, I, I feel like that's something that is going to give us a lot of plot juice. And that's actually something where if she gets integrated into the wider Marvel universe, and I'm talking like I've just read the first two trades, I've read the first three. Um, but mm. <laughs> if she gets integrated into the whole wider Marvel universe, you know, someone somewhere is going to have to say, dude, she's a sophomore in high school or dude, she's a junior in high school. You know, that's what I wanted to mention next, which is where Kamala Khan goes from here. Because when we, when we did our episode about the runaways, mm-hmm. one of the challenges we had is as that run went along and 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 since that run has ended, we've seen them used. And there's this thing where the, you go from being the star of your own story, where like the Ms. Marvel uh, book, all four trades are like this, this that whole series. Um, she's the star of the story and she's in the Marvel Universe and we can have Wolverine drop in and we can have Lockjaw and Medusa drop in. But it's it's Kamala's story. And, and with the Runaways, they ended up being sort of like in some other people's stories and it kind of got messy and not as good. And that's what I wanted to ask is, is you know, there is a uh, a new Ms. Marvel series that uh, G. Willow Wilson is, is writing that came out, the first issue of which came out last week. So following the four trades that are available from the, the previous run, they've gone back to a new number one. But she's also in the all new, all different Avengers, 
which is not your typical Avengers book. It's it's like kid Avengers sort of because the young Nova and um, and and Ultimate Spider Man are in it too. But still, um, does does that give is that good news that she's getting wider? Uh, wider view in Marvel, or is it problematic in the sense that it's now she's just another cog in the machine? I could see that being a really narrow tightrope. That, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, on the one hand, yay, more exposure for this really cool character. On the other hand, you know, if you let her, as you said, if you let them get too deeply into the wider universe, you lose, you lose the Jersey Girl. That mm-hmm. just makes this book so much fun and so refreshing. So yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be interesting to watch. Does your favorite band, you know, when they get when they mm-hmm. make it big, do they do, do they start to suck? <laughs> that's sort of the question, right? It's like, oh, good, I'm glad you like Kamala Khan so much. You put her in the Avengers. Um, how's that gonna How's that gonna be? And there's like a cast of thousands. It's the same problem with you know when they start integrating the New Mutants into the X Men. And these characters I had gotten very attached to were all of a sudden just basically, oh, you're on the B list of the X Men. You know, we right. we throw you at the problem when the Marquee people are off fighting on the other panel. <laughs> and um, I worry that Kamala will do too. Yeah, they've got so many different Avengers titles that you know the the, the core group of that is the three young heroes, and then it's like mm-hmm. the new Thor and the the new Captain America, the Falcon. Um, but it will be interesting to see what they do there because that that is the concern is that is yeah. that you know now it's not Willow Wilson writing Kamala Khan it's Mark Wade mm. writing her and, oh, God. and, 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 and she mm. will have interactions with with um, Miles Morales which is great but it's not Brian Michael Bendis writing Miles Morales it's Mark Wade writing Miles Morales so you know it could be good but it could also just be not and it, it doesn't necessarily detract from the stories that are yeah. being tell, told elsewhere but it is that that you know it gives me it gives me a little bit of pause. I guess it gives me a bit of a pause because I'm kind of curious to see how how or if Mark Wade treats Kamala's background and her faith and her support system as relevant to herself as a character in his universe. Well, if if, uh, as a a fan of Kingdom Come, if you've ever wanted to see a Mark Wade comic uh, with an Alex Ross cover that features Kamala Khan, it is all new, all different Avengers number one, which just came out. So you can check that out. And it'll it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what Tony was saying earlier, the, 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 the author who can genuinely capture the feel of this teen voice right. versus mm-hmm. the author who, you know, has heard the words and tosses them in because mm-hmm. that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, and it's the creator's wor- work, essentially, G. Willow Wilson mm-hmm. being the creator of Kamala Khan, mm-hmm. being, yeah. being, I mean, I like Miles Morales as a character a whole lot, but he's not as good when it's not Brian Michael Bendis because mm-hmm. that's the guy who made Miles Morales. He's the guy. And, you know, it's fun that he appears elsewhere, but it's not the same. And mm-hmm. that's my that's my concern about Kamala being run out elsewhere is that it's, it's you know, it's not Willow Wilson doing it. Yeah, no, in the DC universe, I always feel the same way whenever um, Oracle or Black Canary are not written by Gail Simone because I'm like, right. you don't get it. She works so hard to rehab those characters. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. And um, so so there's and, and that's actually an interesting discussion, which is um, whether or not your connection to characters rises and falls, um, depending on who's writing them, you know, because um, yeah. that was um, Peter David did the fantastic series X Factor Investigations. And the way he writes Jimmy Madrox for that whole series is really enjoyable. And I haven't liked that character before or at, before or since like but the, when Peter David took him and and 
explained who he was and what he was doing and, you know, what drove him and what questions he grappled with and what meaning he was trying to derive from his life, it was really compelling. And um, I'm sure we all have characters where, you, you you know, it just clicks with a certain writer. And then when they pass it off again, you're like, okay, this could be good. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I do also kind of worry about... A presumably I don't I don't know the author but like a presumably middle-aged man writing a teenage girl yeah. um you know I read I read Jessica Jones um comics in the up lead or the lead up to the Netflix series and alias and the pulse I had some really big problems about the way Jessica Jones was written and um I think part of that was due to just like gender differences and I, like, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm thinking, okay, part of what I really love about Kamala Khan is how accurately, like, kind of those those identity things I faced um, were portrayed and, you know, things about, like, dating and boys and that kind of thing. And it is is a guy going to be able to capture that? Because there are cultural differences, you know, between the way women and men or girls and boys um, grow up. And so that that is a concern I have. Will Wilson is is not just a woman, but she's a Muslim. And right. so she understands she is uniquely not well. There are other Muslim comic book writers and there are other women comic book writers. There may be mm -hmm. even other Muslim women comic book writers. I don't know offhand, but she has a very special perspective that she's able to lend to, mm -hmm. to Kamala yeah. Khan that I, I think Mark Wade is a, is a good writer and he, and Marvel, I mean, depending on how they do it, it, this may be also one of those things where they're like, you know, talk to Willow about how you handle Kamala, right? Like right. she's yeah. she may be the kind of brand steward for Ms. Marvel. Like you need to talk to her. You need to, you know, we're going to check in with her. And and if if they're doing it that way, that's the right way to do it, I think, to make try to have her be consistent and handled right. But it definitely is a concern when they these characters escape into the wider universe. Mm -hmm. It's it, he's she's going to be written by a fifty three year old man who's who's got a great history with um a lot of the classic franchises. And so perhaps this is seen as a vote of confidence where they're like, look, Mark Wade did great things with, um, with other, with other titles. Like he did a lot of good work on the flash. He's done great work with Superman, JSA, JLA. He even revived the, um, Legion of superheroes. Thank you. Yes. He, he had a book like that with Barry, you know, cause he's done team ups with Barry Kitson that are pretty compelling and all that. Um, that said, one hopes he's grown since the days he wrote Empire with um, Kitson and <clears throat> depicted the teenage girl therein as a psychotic mastermind because <laughs> he did not have a bead on any of the female characters in that book whatsoever. Like it's, it's, it's moderately interesting because the book is about, Oh, what's life like under the regime of a supervillain as told from the supervillain's perspective. Um, but like there are teenage girls in that book as main characters and I remember reading it and thinking, this is not like any teenage girl I have ever known or met. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are like an alien who has come to this planet and tried to put together teenage girls and all you had for your source material were like two back copies of a Sweet Valley High series and a Nancy Drew. <laughs> and <laughs> so I really hope that's not the same. <laughs> any other thoughts about 
Ms. Marple, other than, I mean, like I said at the beginning, people should read it. People should read all four mm. volumes, quite frankly. My, oh, yeah. my, my wife is not, is not here because she's already fulfilled her uh, contractual obligation to appear on one podcast and only one <laughs> podcast in a year. And that, <laughs> trust me, she doesn't, that, that was, she negotiated that down from a higher number to <laughs> as low as I would allow it to go. Um, yeah. But uh, she, not a comic book reader. Aline, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that. Lauren has not been a, a comic book reader. She never grew up with comic books. And mm. as a children's librarian, and she has tried to get into the graphic novel thing so she can be knowledgeable about that. Right. And she loves Ms. Marvel. Absolutely yeah. loves it. She's got volume four on, you know, on uh, waiting for her at the library for the next time she drops in there. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, so I think, I think that's one of the great things about, about this book and why people should pick it mm-hmm. up is that it's a, it's not, it's a self-contained story. It's not yeah. someone you've seen before and it's really just executed so well. And it's yeah. pretty. Can we talk about yeah. the art for a minute? Yeah, let's do yes, that. Yes, yes. Oh, my God, God Adrian Alfona. Because I read the chip had showed me, shown me and told me to read like the first two or three issues some time ago. And I did. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. But life happens, work happened. And I didn't pick it up again until uh, time to read for the podcast. And I read it earlier this week. And, you know, was enjoying it thoroughly. And then I went back today and I was on Chip's iPad going panel by panel, Mm -hmm. looking Mm -hmm. at all of the detail that uh, Adrian Alfona works into this story. I don't know how much of it came from Wilson's script. I don't know how much of it was his imagination. Did you notice the owl on the on the pier when she saves her her classmate check out the owl it is this adorable like miyazaki owl that has no reason to be there it's just yeah and there there's so many it's things amazing. like that like the crowd scene um with the kids all gathered on the waterfront you've got a warner brothers dancing frog in the crowd there <laughs> and it looks like johnny storm is there's somebody who's on fire it looks like it's johnny storm is just hanging out in a corner I would love it. it turns out Johnny Storm like heads out to Jersey City because he like really likes the shawarma there or something. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know all sorts of oddball things like that. They're little piggies in the last like the last volume. <laughs> I started mm-hmm. looking and I'm like they're they're just random piggies like a guy's holding a pig under his arm and <laughs> in the background and I think it connects in because there's the stuff in her room there. She's yeah. got the pig with wings stuffed animal. She's got the stuffed porcupine with the Hulk hands yes. put on oh, it. Yeah. Um, you know, all kinds of things like that. There's an ad in her dad's newspaper for GMOs, the cereal, and oh, like, you know, a, an issue later, there's a box of it sitting there yes. while she's eating it. Mm-hmm. You know, the consistency of all those details is just so much fun to look at and look for after you've read the book. And yeah, you go through it again. Um, the, the signs in the windows, you know, yes. like all mm-hmm. of these things about wed- the wedding industry. There's all these little bits and pieces about, you know, somebody in- arranging Asian weddings. Because they're mm-hmm. always advertising them, uh, it's just—it's hilarious. I think he also captures youthful energy really well because he was my favorite artist yes. on the on the Runaways, and he manages to capture the kinetic feel of that of of of, of being a teenager in a really great way. But what's amazing is I didn't read it and think, "Oh, this is the Runaways. This is Runaways art." Right. right? It is not. It is. It, it blew my mind when I was like, "Adrian Alfona, is that the Runaways artist?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet mm-hmm. they don't. They, it doesn't. It doesn't look the same to me. It doesn't look samey at all. And like I mentioned, the, that whole kinetic, you know, the super stretching, uh, weird shapes and sizes of parts mm-hmm. of her body as she's exhibiting her powers. It's so. It's it's not what we're used to seeing from comic book art at all. And yet it is really 
um, it, it's fun and gets across what's going on with Kamala and her powers. Mm-hmm. And you know, there were two issues in what we read uh, done by a different artist, uh, Jamie Wyatt, I believe was yeah. the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the one responsible for the, the, the tin, I thought it was a Tintin homage, the, the, um, tunneling up from the sewers, her and Wolverine going through as the conversation flowed. But he also had a neat trick, um, where just every once in a while, um, you know, the, the art just completely goes goofy cartoony and it's all, of all things, Kamala's face or the character's face looks like an emoji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's got an anime else. look in, it's in, a, when they're yeah. running away from the, Super uh, deformed anime yeah. look. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, and it's not done often to enough it. to be annoying, but just every once in yeah. a while. I think that's what helped make the book feel so fresh, too, yeah. is because it doesn't feel like classic comics. It, it feels very cosmopolitan in the sense, look at the visual influences you've cited, like, like you know, anime, emoji, Mizuyaki. I mean, none of these have their roots in Silver Age comics. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think it was one of the uh, one of the um, Matt Fraction uh, Hawkeye collections had a, a Hawkeye book comic that he didn't write in there, like included in the collection. And after reading something like that, and then getting to the like the classic comic book art with the like super anatomical detail and the like glistening muscles and stuff, it's like it's it's really jarring, and I don't I don't I don't like it anymore. So yeah, I yeah, yeah I was I was having to talk to I stopped at a local comic place today. I was talking with. Um the person behind the counter and we were talking about like how dramatically art art comic art in general seems to have changed like in the last two decades but to get to miss marvel this doesn't scan like again like classic marvel art and i like how kamala is in no way shape or form sexualized mm-hmm. and um yeah. and again i came up reading x-men and new mutants through the 80s and 90s and even as a teenager like you know and mind you reading about other teenagers they were drawn like full-grown developed women and it got a little weird every once in a while because you'd have wolverine going no kitty pride you can't go into battle and like there she is in what basically amounts to a bathing suit and knee-high boots and and she looks like barbarella and she's like why not and and, (laughs) you know it's it's the the art feels really fresh and very cosmopolitan and um I think it adds to the overall relatability of the story. Like I can see myself giving these, these trades to people who don't read comics at all and going, no, seriously, this is really presented beautifully. What do you see what you think? Well, it really sucked me in. I've never really read comics. I I've written about it. I haven't had growing up. I didn't have the opportunity to read them. They just weren't sold. They weren't in my local library. Like, and it was for boys, right? Like it was just implicitly for boys um, where I grew up. And so I never, and then I got into, you know, my twenties and thirties and I was like, it's too much work. Like, (laughs) where do I start? And so I never did, you know, I was just like, I have other things to do. I'm I'm not even going to bother with this. So I started, um, well, I started with Alias and the Pulse. So it's really just been since the beginning of September and I don't want to disclose how much I've spent on comics since then, but like, so it it started with Alias and the Pulse and then I read Miss Marvel and I just sucked it down i was like this Mm -hmm. is amazing and now i'm circling around um i've been reading captain marvel today i've read like 20 issues of captain marvel today Mm -hmm. thanks marvel unlimited Um, so (laughs) but the art style i'm reading and i'm 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 looking at the 2012 um 2012 run is what i'm reading right now so it's like um 
you know, Carol Danvers in this like bodysuit and she's got like these really prominent abs and very well defined mm-hmm. boobs. And I'm like, welcome to comics. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is gross. <laughs> and it, it's, it's like, it's a, it's an interesting story, but I'm finding, I find myself that I'm not, I find myself not looking at the art very much. Oh, wait till you find a book illustrated by Greg Land. <laughs> no, don't, don't even. <laughs> you know, it, 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 yeah, I mean, the story is great. I, I find that um, I'm really loving Kelly Sue's writing. So, you know, I've read bit, all the run of Bitch Planet so far. And mm. like, I, I'm really into it. And I just can't look at the art. And, and I know that it's vastly improved from, you know, before the before times long, long ago. But it's just weird. And I, I just I don't know. It's another thing I really love about Miss Marvel. Yeah, I agree. The Incomparable this week is also sponsored by us. Our t-shirt sale is continuing. The Zeppelin and the Robot are on sale until February 4th, 2016. Go to theincomparable.com slash shirt for links. Before we go, uh, let's do a quick round of, of what are you reading. Aline, we've heard, I think, everything that she's been reading. Literally <laughs> everything. But if there, if there are any comics that are out there that you'd like to recommend to people before we go, I think this would be a great time. Shannon, do you have anything else that you're that you're reading right now? I just bought Sandman Overture. The The hardback came out yesterday. I've read like the first four issues and then um, we lost track and like didn't buy a couple. So um, I'm looking forward to reading that next. All right, Lisa, what are you what are you uh, reading that's interesting and worth people checking out? As as people have heard out many, many times, I came up on Marvel and I'm reading whatever Tony Sindelar told me to read right now, frankly. I was like, oh man, please don't say the thing that like I, I told you to read and now I can't say. It. I have nothing to say to Lisa. So, dangerous. No, it was I Lisa, I only read the things you tell me to read. So what? Where are these ideas coming from? This is a gift of the Magi situation yeah, now. That's crazy. Totally Let's see. I think I've raved about the Wicked and the Divine before. So um I'm eagerly awaiting the next trade compilation for that. And I finally got my last trade for Hawkeye. Um, what is it? Rio Bravo, I think it's called. Yeah. And so finishing out that series, and I really love how that ended. And um, yeah, Aline, wait. that put that on your list. Hawkeye. Matt yeah. Fraction. Okay. I feel Marvel like you should Unlimited. just come visit me because I have a library of all of these books. <laughs> <laughs> I I seriously okay so so the Sandman series was on sale at Comixology so I spent $72 buying that like that's a I, that I, is a bargain that is, I, that is, is a bargain yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, but that wasn't you know. in the budget I'm kind of out of control with comics now I need some that is just intervention you know what yeah. you, can, <laughs> you have come to the wrong place yeah. Yeah. if I could spend $72 to make myself a better person I would do that right now but I've already read Sandman I can't do that again yeah. and I paid way more than $72 <laughs> I have the fancy hard books that are like $72 each yeah. so uh, I had it on my wish list for a really tenable. long time and then this happened mm-hmm. and yeah. So I was like, I'm buying it. And you woke yeah, up and um, said, "What? What? 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 I just do?" And uh, <laughs> yeah. let us let us all enable you. You've made it. You're, you're awful. You are yeah. not helping, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you need us to put it in writing, let us know. <laughs> yeah. So what's super funny is the um, and I, I watch out the classic Mike Grell run is coming out slowly in trade paperbacks now, and so I'm up to like trade paperback number four on that as well. Um, that has the hyper-realistic, anatomically detailed, everybody looks like a Mr. Universe um, contestant art to it, um, combined with 1980s aesthetics. But it's interesting because he had tried to write a book which was basically, what happens if you have a couple vigilantes who have become kind of psychologically damaged by being vigilantes? They're depowered and they're living in Seattle. Um, and it was it's such a ex- comparatively exotic setting. 
and um, a pretty wild premise for the 1980s. And I, I'm really enjoying the series. Um, you know, it's it's sort of the, the same thrill you get if you read a book that defined a decade. Um, you know, like you go and you read Valley of the Dolls, you're like, oh, my God, suddenly the late 60s makes so much sense. Um, <laughs> and this is like that for comics. Tony? What are you reading? Uh, so I... What have, are you telling read- Lisa to read? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we've talked a bunch about Batman, and it, I think some of that's... A, I don't know. Maybe that all gets edited out of Bat- our, our Flash Flash cast. Man? Uh, yeah. He's, he, I'll, we'll talk offline. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so I, I recently read, uh, I think, the first uh, three or four volumes of... Um, the new secret Avengers, um, which is there's, there's a lot of different secret Avengers. And it's one of those things where they keep starting over. Yeah. Uh, but the author for the ones I like is uh cot K O T. Uh, and they're, they're wacky. Um, I like, I like superhero comics. I read Batman and then I like things that don't take themselves too seriously. I got to balance it out. Uh, and secret Avengers is, is very wacky. It's, it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's trying a little too hard to be a uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's not there, but it's still, it's, it's wacky and fun. And I like it. All right. I've got a I got a couple I um I've read I've enjoyed a couple issues of the um the newest again cuz Marvel's recounting uh with from number 1 again the newest Guardians of the Galaxy series because it features Kitty Pride and Ben Grimm um which means that pretty soon they're going to be celebrating Space Hanukkah very exciting <laughs> Uh, and that is literally Brian Michael Bendis finally has executed on his plan to have Marvel's most prominent Jewish characters team up together. And I think it's actually pretty cool. And they're in space. Pretty exciting. Space. Yeah. Um, uh, Invincible, which Lisa turned me on to a million years ago, has had an enjoyable story arc that's about that's two thirds of the way through now called Reboot, question mark, where the mm. main character gets get in, starting in issue 124, where um, main character gets sent back to issue one of his own comic book, except he remembers everything that's happened in, in the last 123 issues. And so he tries to um, prevent the events of 123 issues ago from happening. And, uh, and it's a great <laughs> knowing parody on comic book reboots and also a nice. fun story where where we get to go back to the beginning knowing what we know now. And it's uh, Robert Kirkman. Just I, I love mm. Invincible. It's my favorite superhero comic. Mm. It is great. And this reboot thing is a, a really fun, uh, really fun uh, uh, storyline. And uh, the other ones I mentioned, Lisa mentioned Wicked and the Divine. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. finished mm-hmm. volume two of that. I have some issues with it, but I, I, mm. I've decided that I really want to know what happens next. And I think that's yeah. a good sign that I yeah. that, that I care about. It's got some some things that I'm like, yeah, I don't really I, I'm not really sure why that's in there. I, I think I think I'm picking up on uh, Kieran Gillen's uh, ticks and he's mm. got some ticks that I don't yeah. particularly appreciate. But overall, I, I, I think it's I think it's fun and weird and uh and I, I like that about it and uh total uh sort of friend of the podcast watch i just finished volume two of the fuse by our friend and incomparable podcaster anthony johnston which uh is a the a, best the best space noir you can read today it is yes, a really it enjoyable is. uh space station mystery mm-hmm. cop yeah. noir exactly yeah. right it's uh really fun yeah. so i think if you read gillen and mckelvey's phonogram which is about music and and witchcraft and magic all of a sudden, a lot of things in Wicked and Divine will make a lot more sense because yeah. um, they they basically mine the same themes and they go in two different directions with the two books. And um, Phonogram is 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 great, especially for people who who lived through the music scenes of the eighties and nineties. And um, yeah. uh, I will I will credit Wicked and Divine uh, that uh, 
the way it's constructed, not only does every issue have a very great ending point, mm-hmm. but the trades have fantastic the trades are broken at the big plot twists yes uh really does they do do a very good job with that and the way it's structured where it's this pantheon of gods and you move through them one by one and it's a it's a we're certainly ambitious and i I like the ambition even though there are some things about it that bug me i actually have two more i have (gasps) can i just mention two more hey aileen what else have you read yeah 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 yeah. um (laughs) the unbeatable squirrel girl um Mm -hmm. which i don't think is super awesome but i think it's pretty awesome and what i really like about that is she problem solves rather than just hitting things like she hits things and then she's like wait what's another way we can approach this problem so um so yeah she sends one guy who's off to attack you know he's like i'm super strong and i can kill anything she's like well what about all these ocean things like the leviathan and so he like goes to the ocean to attack them instead of people um so things like that i think are pretty cool and then gem and the holograms is actually really really good really good Okay, I, I, I am okay. I'm gonna fill in and say for 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 my for my lovely wife, uh, she would like to endorse uh, Lumberjanes as well, which is oh, I read the first trade and it was really fun. Uh, Noel Stevenson, who did Nimona, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read Nimona, please yes. read Nimona. Now available as a book on paper after living its life as a web comic, um, and then two that I got recommended to me that I want to give kind of a, a, a quick uh, a quick reaction to so so paper girls it, it's set in, in 1988 and there's a there's a it's a they plug it as a stand by me meets war of the worlds i thought it was okay kind of interesting uh see what he's trying to do with it didn't didn't love it but i liked it um i also had we stand on guard recommended to me which also is brian k vaughn and this is about a dystopian future where the united states has destroyed canada but canada is fighting back as they have resistance cells in the future (laughs) and um i don't i didn't like it i thought it wasn't very good and i don't recommend it so look there's me being mean no it's good it's good to when authors swing and they miss it's good to do that too yeah yeah, um, Brian so K. Vaughn, he's busy. He's putting stuff out there. He's not just uh, doing Saga. He's got a lot of yeah. other stuff going on. I'm glad you ta- told me about We Stand on Guard because I was intrigued by the premise. And now I know to just, you know, cool my jets on it for a while. I know. The first few pages of it are like, wow, this is going to be amazing. And then you get to the what the actual story is. And you're like, yeah, I, or at least I was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know so much. But the, the other one is more fascinating because it is an 80s nostalgia trip kind of thing. And that's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. But... Um, and it's a it, it, it's like Stand By Me, except all, all the characters are, are, are girls, not boys. Mm-hmm. So that that's an interesting paper girls because they got paper. They got a paper route. They got. Oh, paper Oh, that's it. And that's where yeah. it comes from. The paper yeah. girl. All right. Well, I think we've uh, done enough damage uh, for one <laughs> for one episode. Uh, and it's been fun to talk about Ms. Marvel. It'll be interesting yes. to see where she goes next. We'll have to be watching. We're going to keep our eye Fingers on Fingers crossed Khan. for her. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'd like to thank my panel for joining me. Uh, in in a a completely other order that is not draft related at all. Shannon Sutter, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you. I had a great time with everybody. This was fun. We'll have to do it again. What what will we read next? We'll have to figure that out. Uh, Aline Sims, (laughs) thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm sorry that we're costing you so much in comics. (laughs) No, we're not. <laughs> Only mildly sorry. And no. we're friends, not accountants. Sorry. Uh-huh. That's true. That's true. And Tony Sindelar, thank you. A pleasure. Goodbye, nerds. Goodbye, nerds. And I, I will I will second that notion. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to The Incomparable. We will see you next time. Bye.